This is episode number 964 with Super Bowl champion and New York Times bestselling author, Michael Bennett. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. LeBron James said, I will definitely not shut up and dribble. I mean too much to society. I mean too much to the youth. I mean too much to so many kids that feel like they don't have a way out and they need someone to help lead them out of the situation they're in. And author Sonia Parker said, don't spend all of your time trying to find yourself. Spend time creating yourself into a person you'll be proud of. Welcome to this episode. I'm very excited to share my interview today with NFL star Michael Bennett. The defensive lineman is a three-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom, all that despite being undrafted out of college. He's also one of the more outspoken players in the NFL and a true leader in his community. When Colin Kaepernick started kneeling in protest of racial injustice, Bennett immediately joined in support, and he became a New York Times bestselling author of his book, Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. Now he's hosting a podcast with his wife, Pele, that's called Mouthpiece, which encourages difficult conversations on a wide range of topics. And in this interview, we discuss the evolving relationship between athletes and activism, how Michael has dealt with criticism both on and off the field, the mental tools that helped him go from undrafted free agent to NFL superstar, what he's learned from being a father to three daughters, and if he wishes he had boys, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and make sure to share it with a friend if you find this resource helpful. And without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only, Michael Bennett. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off 
Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game, or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the inspiring Michael Bennett in the house. And uh, I want to 
start off by saying how much I appreciate your career and all the things that you've overcome in your life to get to where you're at. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about your, your podcast with your wife, which I heard some episodes which were interesting. And also just what's going on in the world in America right now. And uh, so thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, man. I think it's a, I'm, I'm excited to be on here. I know you only have the greatest thinkers in American history on here. So That's it's it, an man. honor, man. In the world, man. <laughs> in the world. Yeah. What's, uh, what's this week been like for you? It's been uh, obviously a crazy week for a lot of people. What's this been like for you? I think it's, it's a really crazy week because it, you, the emotions are overwhelming, right? You're dealing with this weight that's been bearing down on, on America for a long period of time. And, and the side of the weight is starting to, lift up and everybody's starting to see what's been underneath the been underneath the soles of of America, right? And so it's overwhelming to see people die and 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 what's happening and then you look at the president and you look at all these things that die and you, you seem like it's it's just overwhelming. You like what is the reality of what's happening? What are where are we going? What is happening to this our society? I mean there's a lot of things in this society that are or there are they need to be challenged that are being challenged and how are people going to respond ultimately is the question that i have you know obviously this has been happening for a long time and do you feel like this is different now than four years ago two years ago eight years ago or do you feel like it's kind of all been the same feeling and energy it may be different for white people i think i think white people are finally having to pay attention right here you have companies you have all these people who are making statements like where were those statements four years ago when Michael Brown died and all these other people died? And, and why did it take so many people to die to wake people up, right? So I think we've been living and existing in this trauma of America. If you think about the historical uh, place of African-Americans in American history, the fabric of who we are and the essence of our contribution to America. And we've been definitely living with trauma for long periods of time. If you look back at some of the pictures and things that people experienced in the 40s, the 20s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010, you can put those pictures side by side and there'll be a lot. The color will change, the cars could be different, the the, uh, the way that the picture's taken, but the race issue is still the underlying issue of American society. And so I think for me as an African-American man, it's just been the way and the trauma, the history of what an African-American parent tells his child and what a white person tells their child has been different for a long period of time. I think we're finally, we're at the state where I feel like white people are having a conversation with their children about race and how do they fit into the, the world's issue, what's, what's happening. You've got three kids, right? Three daughters? Yeah. What, what are some of the conversations you, you've had with them in the past? I think I've had a, the conversation about over-policing and uh, toxic masculinity. What does mm -hmm. it look like to have a man with daughters and how proud you can be to have daughters? Because I think if you look at the world before Kobe died, being a girl dad was not cool. You know, people thought brought that up. And it's like, I mean, it's unfortunate that waves in our society is, uh, is a, was, I would say, followers, <laughs> mostly, right? Most people in the world are followers at this point. And so we follow the trends and the waves of the world. But right before then, being a girl dad, and if you had daughters, people look at you and the first thing they say is, oh, you need to protect them. They don't see that they are people and that they have voices and that there can be something great, right? They just assume mm -hmm. that they're going to need protection. So I've had conversations about that and about you know race and how, and also them being a woman in society, what are mm -hmm. their gender ceilings and how they have to break those ceilings and, the, and what they need and how, 
a father in the middle plays a role in that. So I've had so many different conversations, you know, about yeah. race and, and politics and, and gender. Yeah, and, and what I'm hearing is I don't have kids, so I don't I don't understand uh, from that perspective. But what I'm hearing you say is most white parents don't have to teach their white kids how to protect themselves or be aware when they enter a room or if a cop is following them, they're not having those conversations. But the thing too is what you said, and I think that is the most important thing that I think everybody in America is missing right now. What you said to me is the most one of the most powerful things that, that needs to be elevated is that I can't understand, right? I don't I don't have kids, so I wouldn't know from that perspective. I think a lot of times people are trying to talk about their perspective instead of listening. And I think that's important because I think so many people are trying to make statements and say things, but they don't have the right words to say because they haven't had any experience to really have the education to really be putting out a statement. How does the Washington Redskins put out a statement about race? It's impossible. <laughs> like, how could the NFL say something about race when they've been dealing with racial tension within the league? It's like we haven't acknowledged to even listen to ourselves and our fellow man to really make a true distinction of what they're really feeling, right? Yeah. What's your opinion on the uh, uh, the Redskins put a, a, a black image to Blackout Tuesday, right? What's your, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think it's funny because you have – here's – Dan Snyder, and he's been a Trump follower. He's been donating to his campaign. He's refused to change the name of his organization. He refused to change the logo. He's refused to do that. And that perpetuates a certain cycle of what indeed people have felt in American history, right? He thinks it's a proud thing and something like that to call somebody, to acknowledge somebody by their skin. What if a team was called the White Skins? What? People would be in outrage, but indigenous people don't have that voice that really would change the idea of the Redskins. If he really wants to be a part of the change of racial injustice, he would just change the name of his team. What should he change the problem? <laughs> This is so many different names. We could name the Washington Trumps. What's wrong with that? He loved Trump so much. Why don't you just name the Washington Trumps? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, I, I love this, uh, this podcast you did uh, recently, eight minutes, 46 seconds long. Same amount of time the officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck. What did you want to say in that special episode? I think it was just to, to, to really reclaim the humanity of George Floyd, right? Reclaim what it is that this man took from him. He took his life, he took his family, he took his existence away. And where do we as human beings stand on that moral line of righteousness, right? What is it we have to deal with to really reclaim the humanity of our fellow man, right? And that's really what that's about. It's not about me, it's not about me. It's about how we as individuals have really taken the dignity away and specifically the police department, they have really taken the dignity away for African-American people for such a long time. But I don't think people really understand to see a man lose his life, to ask for his mother, to ask for his children. That's just him reclaiming, trying to reclaim and remind him that this person is human. But for some reason, this man continues to put his knee on his neck till he, this man no longer exists. That's truly an issue, and it's a true issue with the moral and spiritual side that we have really disconnected from as human beings and disconnected from American society. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was beautiful. I think everyone should go listen to that episode, and you really ask a great question at the end for all of us to think about as well, which I thought was really inspiring. You know, we talked about you having three daughters, and, um, you know, now it's cool to be a girl dad. Do you think you'd be a different man if you had three sons? Yeah, I think I would be a different man. I think there's this ability to where you said, and I'll go back to what you said, right? Because I think, like I said, it's a, it's a fundamental issue in America, right? If I was a man, I could never have the experiences 
to see what a girl goes through, right? So it's like when, when I have these girls and these daughters, I literally get to see their experiences. And what does it do for me? It allows me to have a better understanding and understand their journey and what they're experiencing, what they're going through, what's happening to them. And so I think it makes me a, a stronger person because it allows me to really dig into the other side of me and really put out a side of me that isn't allowed as a man in America, right? It's not allowed to be in the moment, right? So it's allowed me to really develop my few full human being scale, right? So mm. I think that's important. Yeah, you seem like a gentle giant. You're this uh, big, strong mm -hmm. NFL guy, but you got a gentle heart, and I love that about you. Do you think you would be a, I don't want to use the word better, but I'd say a different type of football player if you had three sons, same ages as your daughters, and not having three daughters? Would you be different, better, worse? What do you think? I don't think so. I think football, to me, I've always been able to like decipher and, and break up the boundaries between uh, being an athlete in my real life. So uh, the football field is what I've been doing since I was a young kid. Mm -hmm. And that's just who I was as an individual and what I believed in and how I played the game. But being a father, it takes a lot more work. So I think it would have been, I think I'd play be the same player because it's just different. It's two different things. Uh, I think what kids do to you and whether it's male or female, they allow you to realize that life is more than just about yourself, right? And for me personally, that's what's happened. It made me realize that I kept, when I went out there, I was playing for something a little bit bigger than myself. I was playing for my children. So that's kind of how I connect children to what really uh, impacts my career, impacted my career. Mm. And your mom had you when she was young. I think she was 16 when she had you, and she had five kids by 20. Is that correct? Yeah, five. Yeah, by 21. Yeah. So it was very difficult, right? I think when when I look into myself and I look back into that, right, I, I look as a parent, I'm like, man, I have everything to, like, take care of kids, right, momentarily and, and monetarily. And it's just like, okay, it's not about money when it comes to kids. It's really about you never know the burden of what it takes to raise a child. And I can only imagine what my mother was feeling at 16. And within that journey of, like, seeking myself and seeking uh, the reason for being right is just one of those things they'll be able to forgive because such a young person having a young kid is can only be devastating to their career and what they really wanted to accomplish in life but because they have to sacrifice for kids it's just a different experience yeah did you i know your parents didn't end up working out who would you say is the greater teacher for you growing up and who taught you what was the greatest lesson each one of them taught you that you use today as a parent I think all of them are, are equally uh, being impacted in my life. I think um, living with my father, it allowed me to understand how to be a husband, how to be, uh, how to be, uh, how to be a comforter, how to be a protector, how to be different things and different things that required of being a husband, right, and being a father. And I think both my mothers just taught me about love and passion and the part and the and the importance of community, right? So this like. It's true what they say it takes a village to raise a child. And I truly believe it takes a village to raise a child. So I think every one of them have really impacted me uh, in a certain way. Yeah. With Kaepernick and everything that he's been taking an E for since four years ago, you chose to immediately support him in your own way. So I have been like talking about blackness in the NFL and blackness in the career my whole life, right? My mom was a teacher. She went to a historically black college. I grew up in a small town. So I've always had the historical context of what it means to be African-American in this society and the people who have fought for freedom and what they stand for. So it was easy to be a part or, or help Colin's uh, voice be amplified and myself because I truly believe in what he was doing, right? I truly believe in the freedom and the liberation of people who are being oppressed. So it's easy to connect to that. And I think 
um, over the whole time, I was finding different ways to connect with different people, not just African-American people too, right? We have our struggle. I connected with people in the indigenous community all over the world. So it's, it's definitely an eye-opening experience. Four years ago, I think it was the first time on mainstream, the 60s, that we really were elevating the racial tensions and the racial divide in America. It seems like it started to be amplified with the media and with athletes really getting on board in a bigger way. And I know you, you talked to John Carlos on your podcast, who famously raised his fist uh, during the 1968 Olympics. And you asked him if he felt afraid what would happen afterwards if he did that. And uh, I wanted to ask you the same thing. Did you ever feel afraid that, hey, if I take a, a stand in my own way for this, what I believe in, did you feel like maybe I could get fired or maybe I'd get criticized or judged or bullied? Did you ever have that fear? I think criticism is a part of my job. I've always been in a position where criticism was a part of my performance. Where if it didn't perform good, the criticism was 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 high. When I performed when I performed great, the criticism was low. So for me it was more about like the fear, like the fear of living, right? Because you know, you say something like race is such a strong issue in America, right? It's been people have died because of race. We can look back at the facts. These are facts. People have lost their life because they have brought up race in America. They've been killed by the government. They've been killed by um, um, left-wing organizations. So there was a fear of having this, uh, of being ridiculed at a high level, right? You really are, really are bringing attention to something that people don't want attention to. So I think there is a fear. And I think what John Carlos was reference and his his experience and what he's been through i think it's important that we reference these things and when people take stances what can come with stances right because we look at the glory of martin luther king and malcolm x but we don't look that they die right that's not something people really bring up all the time right they bring up like look at this quote but we like every time we bring up this quote it's of a man who was executed we think about jesus and we say we bring up quotes of jesus but then we think about jesus jesus was killed by the government like so it's like it's like we have to know that that is possible. And I think sometimes people don't know that. And I think even with protests right now, a lot of people are getting hit and beat by the police. They're like, you got to know that that's a part of it, right? And that's a part of you taking a stance that you're going against the grain of society. So with that comes resistance. And with resistance comes battles. And you got to be able to withstand the battles individually, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Mm-hmm. So I love how you said that. You know, you're used to being critiqued on the football field, but this was a different type of uh, of worry and concern for your health and your safety and your life for standing up for this. Now I played, uh, I played college football. I was a receiver. I played in the arena league for a little bit as well. So I know all about the locker room and I know about, you know, I played on where I was um, one of the only white guys in the team in Huntsville, Alabama and mostly black teammates. <laughs> I've been on teams where it's mostly white guys and a few black teammates in Ohio. I've, I've seen kind of both sides and personally I never saw any type of racism, at least in my bubble of the locker room personally. Do you feel like there's racial divides in locker rooms in the NFL that you've seen? I think there's a racial divides on issues, right? I don't think there's racial divides on where we are because when we come in a locker room, we all see each other as football players and we're kind of just like, oh man, you have the job done. The divide, <laughs> divide in the battle to have a position, right? But at the same time, the underlying issues of what they're happening within our communities, I think that's where the divide comes, right? Because that's when we finally see the divide, right? Before we don't really see it because we have a quarterback. We say quarterback receiver one, throwing the ball to receiver one. But it's when stuff like taking a knee comes out that we really start to see the social divide between. 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. Who and where people were raised because as football players, there's only one ideology. There's winning and winning at a high level. But when it comes to race, there's so many different ideologies. And I think the racial disparities will come when we start to see um, the racial inequality when we start talking about race. And I experienced it personally when we talk about, when we talked about taking knee as a team, what that was, we saw the divide, we saw the fear of African-American players of not having an opportunity and what that feels like. The Seahawks were more of the more consciously aware team in the NFL. We were more of the most, we were probably the most famous team outside of the Patriots as far as players, individual glory. I think the Patriots were more a team glory and Tom Brady glory, right? But the, it's the mm-hmm. Patri- I mean, the Seahawks were the glory of all types of players were superstars. And most of the superstars came from African-American neighborhoods. And we kind of never forgot our blackness. So we were, we forced the team to do what they did. We were the leaders of our team. See, a lot of teams, they get led in direction by the ownership and tell them what to do. But us, we were, we were one of a kind team, right? We were a different team. We were the outlaws of the NFL, you would think. Yeah. And Pete Carroll um, has been getting some, I guess, some backlash lately. But what was your experience of him and supporting the team? And I think Pete Carroll wants to do right. I think any coach wants to do right, right? They want to do right to do right by their players. But I think the thing that Coach Pete Carroll was coming back with, the thing that he doesn't realize, too, is that, okay, you want to do right, but there's evidence of you doing wrong. And so mm-hmm. by you saying the words of you doing right – the evidence is, the, as the court would say, the evidence against the uh, the prosecution would say that there's evidence that says that you're not who you say you are, right? So that's what people are really trying to like argue, saying you had opportunity to sign Kaepernick, but you didn't do it, right? But then it's like, well, you're saying one thing and you actually do another. That's what makes people mad. And it's feel like people feel like you're being a hypocrite. But I don't think Coach Carroll has a bad heart. I actually think Coach Carroll is one of the most progressive coaches I've ever been a part of. And his philosophies were very, we talked about a worldly of things in any team I've ever been on. So I just think when he didn't sign or he didn't give Kaepernick the opportunity, that's kind of left the door open for other people to scrutinize him for his beliefs. Yeah. And what about, uh, what about your thoughts on Drew Brees? Did you experience uh, connecting with him throughout your time in the league and your thoughts on his posts and his response to it? 
I think Drew Brees is just missing the whole gamut of what's happening, right? Here's a man who's trying to protect his privilege at every corner, right? But this requires you to drop your privilege. When you're talking about race, it requires you to drop your privilege. If you're a man talking about what women are going through, it requires you to drop your privilege and to listen what's happening to women. Like, it's like when a woman's saying that she's been victimized and she, something's happened to her and, and she's been a victim of rape or sexual assault. It's like a man say, what, what, what did you wear? What did you, what did you do? Why did you, how did he, it's like you're trying to victimize them and make them feel like, and you trying to defend men instead of defending what's happening to this individual and how it has made them feel. And so when he's talking about his father and his grandfather he's actually a defense mechanism to defend his privilege of why he should stand mm -hmm. up instead of saying you know what i don't know what to say so you know what i don't know what's the right thing to say i know talking about my grandfather is not this moment i think talking about the trauma that african-american my teammates have felt over the years that i haven't had the courage to stand up on but i have the courage to donate and talk about different issues like COVID 19 why can't i talk about COVID 19 why? Because it's pertaining to everybody. So I don't be seen as I'm supporting just black people. But to stand up on this issue is that you're being an ally and you're acknowledging that you have privilege. And I don't think Drew Brees really wants to acknowledge that he's had privilege because in his mind, he's worked hard for everything he's got. Maybe in football, that is true, right? Maybe in football, he's had he's worked hard. But in life, he's not had worked hard to get the white skin that he has. It's, he was born with that privilege. And I don't think he's really wanted to acknowledge that being white is a privilege. And that's okay with him. If that's what he truly believes, at least he's being honest, right? At least he's being honest. If we can say there's some place to work on him, right? But the fact that he has, has such a disconnect with his black team and his black brother is really the issue because it's saying that he still hasn't gotten to his mind that other people have experienced a different America than he has. What are your thoughts then on, I guess, people with a, a platform or athletes talking about it? If they, if, if they don't know what to say, like you said right there, like maybe he should have just said nothing. Should people, should people be speaking up and saying something is are they yeah. should should they say think, nothing if they don't know what to say what's your thoughts i think they i think they should say something if they feel the need to say something to acknowledge uh, if they have a particular position like like drew breezy has a particular position he's an african-american driven league right he's obligated to say something and his something should be in the manner of supporting his people who are 70 percent of the organization, right? So I think we people just need to make the most honest statement, right? The honest statement is not to try to like find, it's just you coming at your heart and saying like, I don't know. I think that's a great statement saying, hey, I don't know, but I wanna know. Like that's the kind of stuff statements people have to make, right? And people have to understand like, look, this isn't just about being black. This is about like the system, understanding the system that has oppressed people of color for generations and generations at the time. One route we talking about defending the police, but we talking about defunding the police and policing, right? But we also got to think about the about the judicial system, which has plagued African American people in American history, brown people in history. Look at the look at the facts. There's more African American and brown people in jail than any other race in history. We have more people in jail in America than any other country, right? We talk about marijuana. We talk about the country, the American one. So many people are in jail for marijuana. And, and they're being prison right now, but now marijuana is a business and is privileged and is ran by a white white society. And there's a whole bunch of brown and black people who are in jail for smoking a J, right? And smoking a J is nothing wrong with smoking a J. You want to get your mind right, you, you put free smoking a J, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but at the same time, people are being persecuted for something, right? And so we have yeah. the whole system is seeing how the cycle of racism has been perpetuated over the time. It really comes down to our consciousness. I really believe that people have been unconscious, so they really haven't really 
had the opportunity to really look at the world through different eyes, right? Because they're so they're so focused on one thing and they're not focusing on somebody else's pain. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the NFL next year when you guys start playing again? Do you think there's going to be changes? Do you think there's going to be more uh, protesting with with athletes doing their own thing? What do you think is going to happen? I think I think more athletes are going to take a stance. Uh, is is I think we're gonna I think there's gonna be a big change, right? I think there's gonna be more people standing up, right? Because now you really have your white teammates. When we were taking a knee, not a lot of white people wanted to be involved. But now you got people like Kirk Cousins and all these people trying to make statements and they're trying to be a part of the movement. So I think because there's gonna be more players willing to move and talk about the issues, I think the NFL is gonna be forced and obligated and it's gonna be subjected to its players' will. And I think it's gonna have opportunity but to do that but you know what to be honest I think COVID-19 was really the factor in 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 a lot of this right because I think COVID-19 and Floyd together right because one one side we see the disparities of color for policing right then the other side we see the racial disparity in healthcare um, the central needs of America and we're seeing on one side we're seeing an issue that's facing with African-American people, but then on the other side, it can, we see that we are dealing with poor people all across the world who are dealing with poverty and they have a system. So I think two of those things connect and we're realizing that all of it's connected together. And I think we've seen that a lot of essential workers in the American workforce were African-American and brown people. You know, I love the, your, your story about how you've become just a successful athlete, let alone being a great man, great father, a uh, great husband. But a great athlete. You were undrafted and yet you've been, you know, in the pro bowl, you've won a super bowl. You should have won two super bowls. How did that whole journey go for you from being undrafted to winning a super bowl? I think it's when you go and talk about school of greatness, right? I think it's really mindset, right? Because you get into a situation and you have to be able to find this grit and this will and this perseverance to overcome. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing that kept me going was like, okay, here's this opportunity to have this child. I have these, all these things that's weighing on why I shouldn't succeed. But my mindset was on success and putting in more work, right? I think loving the game of football and actually having, loving the history of football and the knowledge of it and loving the actual X's and O's of it, it actually made me a stronger player, right? Because I love to study. I love to watch the games. I love to do different things. So I, I think it was definitely, uh, it was a great time. And being on draft, that really propelled me to have the success that I've had. Do you think if you were drafted, you'd have the same success? Or did that give you that extra hunger to, to work harder and prepare more? You gave me the extra I think it gave me that extra hunger, right? It gave me that extra hunger. It's like I was already used to being an underdog. And um, and now having that um, it was just another way to, like, continuously, like, I was like, man, if I would have been drafted, would I have had the same hunger? I don't know if I would have had the same hunger. I think being drafted allowed me to keep a chip on my shoulder, which that chip kept on my whole career. Do you feel like uh, – would you have changed anything? Do you wish you would have been drafted in the first round and got some big signing bonus, or are you glad you've had to – build it the way you have. I'm glad I had to build the way I had. I think a lot of people, when you go through the way I did, you built the story. And I think a lot of people connect to that story because there's always people are like, wait, uh, you, you did that? And so it's like, it's just a great connection. <laughs> what about uh, your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? Do you want it to be more about being a great football player, being a, a great father, being a great activist? 
I think they're all the same. I think it's just overall just being a great man, right? Being a great man within everything that I tried to, everything I was a part of. I was a father. I was a great father when I was this. I think the most the most hurtful thing is when you die and they only bring up your uh, with your attributes or your stats in the NFL. Like, oh, he died. He had this many sacks and this promos mm-hmm. and that's the only thing they call it. I think it's more about like what is you contribute to your community? What did you contribute to yourself? And what did you contribute to life? I think that's the ultimate thing that I want to be is to leave a great legacy of being a, a great contributor to all facets of life. Yeah. And you have an amazing story about uh, your relationship with your wife and how you guys met and how she's been a part of this journey with you. Was she always supportive of you for, for taking a stand uh, as an activist and an athlete and, and also, what brought about you guys coming together, uh, co-hosting uh, Mouthpiece and doing the podcast together? I think my, my wife is as strong as me, too, because she believes in a lot of stuff, and she stands up for herself and what she believes in. So I think it's just us coexisting and growing up in the same area, right? We came, grew up in high school together, and we dated in high school. So we saw a lot of the same thing. We saw a lot of the different tragedies. We saw a lot of the great things in life and what it's feel like to be at the bottom, what it feel like to be at the top. So we experienced a lot together. So for us, we both amplify each other's voice on what we experienced. And I think with the podcast was an opportunity for a husband and wife to come together and talk about real issues and talk about things that are happening in America. And when we're raising kids, this is a perfect opportunity to use our platform in a positive way. We talk about all the great things. Like there's shortcomings of all of us, I think. In a world where we've become and we've fallen a lot of people, we're seeing a lot of their great moments and we're challenging their great moments against our great moments. And unfortunately, if somebody with 60 million followers, their greater moments are going to seem more greater, right? And so it's good for us to be honest about our experience and get, be honest about what we need to work on as individuals and what we need to work on as society. Do you and your wife ever have disagreements about... Uh, approaching the world, about approaching parenting, about approaching what you should be saying or not saying. Every day. Every day. I think that's the the evolution of us as people, right? We are constantly battling and struggling with what we think is right, with the compromise. Where do we compromise at? What do we do? And I think we're doing it every day. We're we're constantly uh, going up and uh, challenging our thoughts. I think a great partner is somebody who can challenge and continuously grow. I mean, there's things that we agreed on fundamentally, but our approaches may be different. So that's that's a normal thing too. How do you find peace in between your disagreements to to not let it affect your kids or to, the relationship for too long? And how do you kind of resolve things? I think that's I think that's the, I think that's one of the hardest things that a lot of people do because you get in a place where you become a part of the business and you become a part of. Uh, the, the you become a part of right what you're doing and I think for us we just try to disconnect the two things like and I think like I said we've had a great opportunity to do that because we've been in the NFL we've been able to disconnect from the NFL and then do something else so I think this is just a, a evolution of that honestly yeah I got a couple final questions for you and I appreciate you opening up and sharing all this Michael uh, this question is called the three truths and I ask everyone at the end the same question um, so it's a hypothetical question. I'd love for you to imagine it's your last day on earth many, many years from now, and you've accomplished all your dreams. You've seen your kids grow up and achieve great things, and you've seen uh, things move on in the world, and you've done it all. But it's your last day, and everything you've created in the world, you've got to take with you. So all of your podcast and your book and, and all the mm-hmm. posts you put out there, it's got to go with you to the next place. And you, but you can leave behind three things you know to be true about life, about uh, experiences. 
And these would be the three lessons that we would all have to remember you by. What would you say are the three things you'd want to share with the world? Three truths. I think the three truths that I would like to share with the world would be self-reflection. I think to, we all need to self-reflect on a daily basis and self-reflect into a way that we can manifest our self-reflection to, into something positive, I think is important. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing is to have a sense of, uh, to understand uh, about for every luxury, there's somebody else that's sacrificing for us, right? Because every luxury, luxury creates a certain suffering for somebody else, whether it's our iPhone. When we get an iPhone, we don't realize that somebody that has an iPhone, they, 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 somebody that created the iPhone worked in a non-factory. So it's like, or when you get your tomato, there's been a Hispanic person who's come from Mexico who's picked it that didn't have a fair, tra mm. fair trade system, right? So it's understanding that there's other people who are experiencing something and to understand that these luxuries that we have and people are suffering. So when the people are screaming that they need attention, we need to acknowledge their attention, right? And I think the third is being in the moment. I think a lot of times we're so, when I say unconscious, I feel like we have become so unconscious as a society that we get our realities mixed up with the other realities that are happening. And the next thing you know, we don't know which one is real and which one is, <laughs> which one is fake. So I would say um, being in the moment to when we were with our children to like, review with your children be in the moment. I know it's the hardest thing too, because our phone allows us to be everywhere at once. Mm. But I would just try to be in the moment, right? Be in the moment, because those moments are so, we think they're so, we think they're so small and superficial, but those moments are really the most magnificent moments in their life when your child is trying to show you a picture and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, you do it. You do it. <laughs> so that like, but sometimes it's like, who knows what that does to that character when they know that their parents love them. So being in the moment is something I think is important. Yeah, you've got a you've got your podcast mouthpiece with your wife. That's super inspiring. You guys share some great stuff there. You've also got a book, uh, which I think is a great title. <laughs> it's called "Things That Make White People Uncomfortable." Why did you write a book with that title? I think it's one of those things where I wanted to make people uncomfortable because the conversation that we have now is not a comfortable conversation. That's why there's mm -hmm. chaos. Because if it was comfortable, it's easy for us to judge the NBA. LeBron should took that final shot. Like that's an easy, that's a comforting thing because it brings it brings life and it brings this. But having uncomfortable situations and conversations is where we truly go, right? That's what I talk about when you have those teeth and those when you have those limbs growing. It's uncomfortable when you're growing, but at the end of the day, you have growth, right? And I think we just needed to have an uncomfortable conversation. And there's a lot of things that it's it's important that we need to have those conversations because. It's too late when we have a war and then we want to have peace. We need to have peace before we have the war, right? Because once we have the war, there's casualties, right? There's too many casualties. And peace, and when the war that comes with peace, is just, just too many people have died. Millions of people have died. But we had the peace before the war. We don't have to have the war because we'll have peace, right? The war will be just about morals and morality. But at this moment, we have to, uh, this book is about being uncomfortable and, and not to be reactive anymore because now we're a reactive society and what comes with a reaction, un, un, unwanted action, right? You just, you just react in a way that you don't even know, right? Because it's like, boom, you just react. So that's really why I wrote the book. Yeah. And what would, um, what would you respect about your, your teammates, both your uh, white teammates and black teammates moving in from now into next season, what would you respect about them the most if they did what? I think I respect everybody. We just kind of just stood up on um, what we believe in, right? The purpose of our living, the perfect of our existence. I think what I respect most of us is that we could put our titles down, right? Titles are meant to divide us. Everybody has a title and people, a person could be a regular person, right? And we run into those people and we just pass them. But if they have a title, 
we acknowledge them, right? So it's time for us to put our titles down and acknowledge that we're just a human being. We exist with these people. We're a fellow man. We bleed and eat and shit the same way. Just because we have money doesn't make us existent. We witness Paul Allen be one of the richest people in the world, but die at 50 something, right? Because it's at the day, we are just human beings. Money is the thing that breaks our barriers, but at the same time, it also builds more barriers. Wow. That's powerful. I want to acknowledge you for a minute, Michael, for, for being a stand for what you believe in, for being a stand for other people, for being a stand for your life and your family and change. You're doing some amazing work, man. I appreciate your voice. And well, hopefully I can come watch a game so wherever you're playing this year. I'd love to come watch a game sometime and, and uh, support you. See so you get that uh, 70th sack in the bag, man. Final question for you is what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is to be different. I think the greatness is such a, it's like this tears of being something, right? I think it's like average, bad, this, good, better, then greatness is like the highest thing that you can be. I think it's because you're different. I think the ability to be different is the most important thing, right? I think greatness is a difference because they, people who are great do different. They become outliers in everything. They become conscious to their being. And I think there's a very few people who actually reach greatness and enlightenment in life. Mm. Michael Bennett, man. I appreciate your wisdom. Thanks for coming on and sharing it all, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. And uh, if I can help with anything, just let me know. All right. Thank you. Bless you, man. Thanks, man. You too, brother. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Michael Bennett. If you haven't yet listened to my podcast last week with Reverend Michael Beckwith on racial justice and spiritual healing, it was so profound. I highly recommend you check it out, and I'm going to put a link to that episode in the description of this episode of the podcast. Please connect with me on all social media. I'm at Lewis Howes everywhere except for on TikTok now, at Lewis, and I want to have a dialogue with you. I want to hear from you. You can also text me questions. You can text me to the number 614-350-3960 as I send out inspirational messages there to help you with your week. So make sure to text me and share this episode with a friend. If this is your first time here on the School of Greatness podcast, welcome to the community. We have over 200 million downloads going over seven years, almost 1,000 episodes, and we bring on some of the most incredible leaders of our time to share what it takes to be great and their process for getting there. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review if this is your first time here as well and if this empowered you in any way. And I want to leave you with this. Author William Faulkner said, Never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed. I love you all so very much. I want to remind you how much you matter today. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals, knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.